Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Big Fly Baseball Show. I am your host, Victor Rojas. This is the fourth installment uh, since I brought the uh, Big Fly Baseball Show back uh, from the dead. Uh, we had we had this back in, uh, in COVID in 2020. Myself and Joel Goldberg of the Kansas City Royals broadcast crew uh, did something through the COVID season and, uh, and then uh, kind of just went away, but decided to bring it back a little over a month ago. And uh, on the show, I kind of like to just kind of espouse, if you will, my, uh, my thoughts on what's going on in the game of baseball from the, uh, the previous week and uh, sometimes looking ahead. But uh, that's generally what uh, I do on this podcast. It's a one-man band. Uh, I'm still contemplating whether or not uh, I bring on uh, another host or start doing guests. I may do that at some point. Uh, was able to finally get my first uh, live game cast, if you will. Uh, that was last week when the Phillies were in uh, in Anaheim taking on the Angels and did that for about, uh, I don't know, about an hour and 45 minutes thereabouts, a little play-by-play, and uh, was joined by a, a couple of friends, uh, Angels fans, Jeff Stoddart and uh, Chuck Richter, who uh, kind of were kind enough to to kind of ride along, if you will, uh, during that uh, live game cast. So I'm probably going to do more of those as the uh, season progresses, but um, it's kind of what this uh, this show is all about. It's baseball centric. Sometimes talk about Major League Baseball. Sometimes talk about the minors. Sometimes about the amateur side of things. And um, I'm glad that you have decided to tune in, uh, whether it's via the podcast. Uh, you could find us on any of the streaming services. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and the like. And uh, you can also, if you want to watch the video uh, instead and watch the show instead, you could do so uh, on the YouTube channel. And that's at Big Fly Baseball Show. So uh, again, I'm your host, Victor Rojas. So glad you could join me. Uh, this is typically one of those uh, shows or podcasts that uh, it's unscripted uh, to to a degree, meaning I don't have a, a teleprompter and I'm te- what reading, but I do have some topics I want to talk about but I don't have a timetable. Uh, typically, I've gone about 30 minutes or thereabouts, and uh, that way it's a quick hit and you get in and out of here and uh, you get a chance to enjoy the rest of your day. But uh, that's uh, that's the genesis of what the Big Fly Baseball show is all about. Today's show, I cannot start without first wishing a happy anniversary to my bride, uh, Kimberly Rojas. Uh, today is our 24th wedding anniversary. Uh, we've been together a little over 26 years, and uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. It, it really has. Uh, got a chance, uh, like I said uh, on last week's show, my daughter graduated from Grand Canyon University a little over a week ago. My son is just finishing up his freshman year uh, in college, so it's uh, it's been an exciting ride, and uh, looking forward to another 24, 25, 30 years. Uh, being married to Kim, but uh, happy anniversary. And yes, I am sitting here in my office doing the podcast on my anniversary uh, because why not? I am a baseball guy and that's just what I happen to do. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in uh, in Major League Baseball. And typically I like to start with what's uh, the standings and how uh, things are leading into this week. Uh, not a whole lot of changes uh, in the standings, if you will. Seattle still remains atop the uh, American League West. Uh, they've got a half game lead over the Rangers. Seattle is at 19 and 15. The Rangers at 19 and 16. Uh, Mariners will go play the uh, Minnesota Twins uh, beginning this week. The Rangers will take on the uh, Oakland Athletics. Athletics, all of a sudden, 
playing uh, a little bit more inspired baseball, if you will, two and a half games back in the West. They're a game under 500. The Astros continue to uh, boggle the mind. They are a minus 20 in the run differential and find themselves in fourth place, 10 games under 500, as well as the Angels at 10 games under 500. Angels have not won a series in quite some time. They just lost two or three to the Cleveland Guardians over the weekend, and they are still on the road going to PNC Park, which happens to be one of my favorite ballparks in all of Major League Baseball, one of the worst broadcast booths in all of baseball, but one of the uh, the most beautiful ballparks. And if you ever get the opportunity to uh, uh, to visit PNC, absolutely do it. Oh, by the way, on this show, you will periodically get me going uh, down a rabbit hole, just like I did on PNC Park. So uh, PNC Park, go see it. That's where the Angels are going to be playing uh, beginning tonight. So uh, the American League East, the Orioles uh, playing better baseball. They are 23-11. and 11. They've got a game advantage over the Yankees. Then you've got the Red Sox. Rays have played a little bit better. Um, I'm not a huge uh, City Connect uniform guy. Uh, I, I just think it's becoming overplayed. But... I do like the fact that the Rays uniform is kind of cool. Uh, I just like the colors, the scheme. Uh, it's it's interesting because it's a City Connect uniform, and they play in St. Petersburg, so I don't know if they're trying to connect with St. Pete or if they're trying to connect with the whole Tampa Bay area, uh, but it is a very cool uniform. But they are playing much better. Uh, Randy Rosarena needs to, to wake up and, and start producing. They're still minus 38. Uh, as far as the run differentials, that's that's huge. Uh, they need Randy and, and the rest of the crew to start uh, banging it out. And the Blue Jays just continued to uh, really kind of like the Astros. You thought that the Blue Jays going into the season were going to be a, a good offensive team. It would appear that they would be a good offensive team that has not played out. Uh, they've struggled with men in scoring position. They're three games under 500, bringing up the rear in the American League East. They're seven and a half back. Oh, no, by the way, they got to take on one of the best teams in baseball in the Philadelphia Phillies beginning on Tuesday night. The Central, the Guardians, I just mentioned, they just took two of three from the uh, Los Angeles Angels. They're 10 games over 500. The Twins, even with their win streak that just got snapped, uh, they lost uh, yesterday. They're 19 and 14, two and a half back. Royals are 20 and 15, two and a half back. Then you've got the Tigers, which I think are still an interesting, fun team to watch. And then the lowly White Sox, who have played a little bit better, uh, they've won their last two, but still just eight and 26, 14 back in that central division. And uh, they are pretty much toast nail in the coffin, if you will. Moving over to the uh, the National League, the National League East is really it, it's it's the the Philadelphia Phillies division right now. They have played and I mentioned it last week that they were taking on. Uh, the Angels in last week's show has mentioned that they were getting ready to start a series against the Angels. Uh, they continue to play very good baseball. They did just lose Trey Turner to an injury, uh, hamstring, and so we'll see how that plagues them. Turner is off to a terrific start, and uh, offensively, especially uh, him and Alec Bohm at third base. Uh, but we'll see how the Phillies able to manage it. They've got a pretty decent lineup, uh, and and but Turner. The start that he had to his year uh, was so good that he is a guy that will be missed. It'll be a difficult replacement uh, for the Phillies, but somehow they continue to get it done. They've got terrific pitching. They've won five consecutive games. They've got the best record in baseball at 24-11. and 11. 
And they lead, dare I say, lead the Atlanta Braves by two and a half games. And I'll touch on that in just a second. They uh, Braves had a tough series on the West Coast uh, with the Dodgers, and uh, they will take on the Boston Red Sox beginning tomorrow night. Braves are still a good team, obviously. This is still one of the teams to, to pick to click, if you will, in baseball. But they are 20 and 12, two and a half back of the Phillies. Then you got the Nationals, Mets, two games under. And then the Marlins, we'll touch on the Marlins' uh, god-awful situation. Uh, they're 10 and 26 on the year, bringing up the rear in the uh, in the East. The Central has the Brewers and the Cubs tied atop the division, uh, 20 and 13 and 21 and 14, respectively, Brewers and Cubs. And uh, Brewers have lost two in a row. Cubs have won two in a row. These two teams should just meet all the time because it just seems like it's a, it's a terrific rivalry, which I think has just become even more enhanced with Craig Council having shifted gears from the Brewers over to the Cubs this past offseason. I still say that the, the, the best response, even though I, I like Pat Murphy and, and what he brings to the table is the skipper of the Brewers, it would have been awesome if the Brewers had just hired David Ross. And it's kind of flip-flop managers and continue that rivalry. But they are still a fun team to watch. Both teams are fun to watch right now. And that that series between those two are is going to be electric all season long. So it'll be, it'll be fun in the, uh, in the National League Central. The Reds, uh, I, I still don't know how they are two games under 500 with how putrid their offense is. But uh, that's how the Central is playing out right now. Two games under 500. The Pirates are three games under 500 at 16 and 19. They're five back. And then the Cardinals, uh, they, like the Reds on, on the offensive side, just have not been able to get it done. They're 15 and 19, five and a half back in the Central. In the uh, National League West, as we wrap up the standings uh, at the start of this week, uh, the Dodgers are the cream of the crop in that Western division. Ten games over 500 at 23 and 13. They have themselves a five-and-a-half game advantage over the San Diego Padres. Padres got a little bit better uh, this past week with the addition of uh, Luis Arias from the uh, Miami Marlins. And like I said, I'll touch on that here in just a second. Dodgers have won four consecutive games. That includes the sweep of the Atlanta Braves, which I'll touch on. Um, and they're plus 63 on the offensive side, which is no surprise considering uh, what everyone expected on the offensive side. Diamondbacks just, you know, from the injury standpoint, from the offensive standpoint, haven't been able to get it going. They're five under 500 at seven and a half games back. Giants also five under. I don't think there was a whole lot of expectation for the Giants. And then the lowly Rockies, uh, that is just an absolute mess uh, of, a, of a franchise right now. They just have no direction. Uh, the base running blunders, the fundamentals, the mistakes, uh, the the lack of pitching, uh, the lack of hitting, they find themselves at eight and twenty six, fourteen back at eight and twenty six. Uh, them and the uh, and the White Sox have the worst record in baseball. That is a, a two thirty five winning percentage, and they are minus seventy seven uh, in the in the run differential. So that's where we stand right now as far as the standings in baseball. Uh, the Dodgers will uh, continue to feel good about themselves because they get the Marlins coming into town and they can continue to boat race them. Uh, they won the Dodgers have eight of their last 10. Speaking of the Dodgers, uh, they continued to flex their muscle over the weekend. It was a great, when you, when you look at that series uh, between the Braves and the Dodgers, you're talking about the two better teams, not nothing, not taking anything away from the Philadelphia Phillies and what they're doing. 
but everyone talked about the Dodgers and the Braves and uh, because of what they've done over the last several years, how good that team is for the Atlanta Braves, the expectation of what the Dodgers uh, have from an offensive standpoint, especially with all of the injuries that they have uh, to their arms and to their rotation and bullpen, uh, they continue to, to flex their muscle. They outplayed the Braves all weekend long. And, uh, because of that, the Braves, that is, find themselves two and a half games back. The Dodgers offensively just continue to get the job done. You mentioned the, the the pitching issues, injuries, I should say, that the Dodgers have had with the guys that they have on the injured list. This past weekend, they ran out Gavin Stone, Tyler Glasnow, and James Paxton, and they were able to take care of the Atlanta Braves. The offense for the, uh, for the, uh, for the Dodgers – when you start looking at the overall numbers, is just absolutely ridiculous. Otani, Betts, and Smith, those three respectively hitting 364, 352, 347, and they have combined for 20 home runs and 78 runs batted in, basically through five weeks of the season. And then you start adding, um, you know, like guys like, uh, Andy Pajes, the Cuban-born outfielder, uh, who has contributed uh, a 319 average with four home runs, uh, 12 RBIs in just 17 games, and you wonder why the Dodgers continue to play at such a high level. They are able not only to go out and spend the money that they can spend on the free agent side of things, but also continue from a player development standpoint, be able to bring guys up and uh and have them contribute at the major league level so it's just uh, uh you know kudos to what the dodgers are doing i mean you, you you can't hide uh from it it is what it is they are a very very good very deep offensive unit uh that i think will continue and will be able to sustain uh and if they get some of those arms back watch out i still like the braves i still like what they're capable of doing uh but the phillies are fun to watch uh, but I think right now it's a, it's a, it's a Dodgers kind of world, uh, at this point, that's how, that's my feeling. Uh, but they currently have the fourth best record tied with the Yankees, uh, in major league baseball, Phillies, Orioles, guardians, and you got the Dodgers, uh, and the Yankees, uh, speaking of the Yankees, the one thing that, uh, it continues to stand out and I got to take a, a sip of water just because when you're running a one man band, uh, you, you get parched. And you've got to you got to quench the uh, the vocal cords on occasion. But speaking of the Yankees, Aaron Judge uh, has has not been Aaron Judge like. He is at the start of this week still just hitting two twenty. Now don't don't get me wrong, he is still a very very impactful guy in the middle of that order. Uh, there there's just no doubt about it. The way you approach him, the way you attack him. This past weekend, which was curious, uh, got got rung up on a called strike three that he didn't uh, he didn't care for. It seemed to be borderline, but he experienced his first ejection of his career. Which you know you see the big man and he's he's such a gentle giant. Uh, it's weird to see him. I mean, he got tossed very quickly, which I thought was kind of bush league. Um, but that being said, you just you wonder if if there is some frustration that perhaps is starting to mount uh, for for Aaron Judge. Now, the flip side of that is, is that 
they still have the fourth best record tied with the fourth best record with the Dodgers in Major League Baseball, that being the Yankees. And they're doing that because they've got guys that are stepping in. Juan Soto, to me, has just been, you know, if, if from the time he came up with Washington to the time he went to San Diego, um, and, and I don't think that he truly lived up to his potential in San Diego, as, as good a player as he is, there's, there's certain guys that live for the limelight, that rise to the occasion. And Juan Soto and the marriage with the New York Yankees just seems to be that, that perfect fit. Um, I, I just, what he's been able to do from an offensive standpoint uh, and doing it consistently and in the clutch has been fun to watch. There's no doubt he's already endeared himself um, to the Yankee faithful. Now the question becomes, <laughs> what will, if anything, the Yankees will offer him uh, as you get closer and closer to free agency, because this guy is going to get paid. And I know you can't, you can't truly comp him to Otani because of what Shohei had, has accomplished on both sides, offensively and also from the pitching side, because he's an ace when he's healthy, uh, pitching wise, but he's going to become very, very close. I mean, he is going to get very close to that money, and I hope the Yankees do it just because I like what not not that I'm a I'm not a Yankee fan per se, but I, I think it's good to have players like that that want to be there, that rise to the occasion, that make it interesting, that are vibrant like Juan is. And I think it'd just be a perfect match uh, right now uh, going into this week. So to 316 has seven doubles, one triple eight home runs. And 28 RBIs, 980 OPS, right? The beauty of that is, uh, is it, people talk about Yankee Stadium and the short porch and right. The, it's reverse splits for him. He's only hit 267 with three home runs, 16 RBIs at Yankee Stadium. On the road, 355 with five home runs and 12 runs batted in. The amazing thing about, talk about rising to the occasion is what he's done with men in scoring position. He's hit four 40 with an OPS over 1300. And so I just, I, with judge struggling the way he, he has been struggling to start this year. Uh, that's one of the big reasons why the Yankees have been able to sustain offensively is because Juan has just been so good and so consistent, especially when he's needed to step up in those crucial situations. That's why I think there are, there are, there are individuals that can handle the pressure of playing in a place like New York and wearing the pinstripes and the expectation on a daily basis. Um, there's guys that wilt to it. Uh, and Soto is one of those guys. I just think he's the perfect fit uh, as far as, uh, as far as the pinstripes in New York are concerned. So we'll see how uh, that plays out the rest of the season. We'll see if judge turns it around. I mean, you would think with a guy with his pedigree and his experience, that he would be able to turn it around. If he does that, watch out for the Yankees. Um, the Orioles are still a very good team. I still think the Orioles are the team to beat because of the pitching and the uh, the offense and the young players that they have. Um, but the Yankees are are going to be fun to watch. Um, I mentioned, excuse me, I mentioned the Marlins and their uh, their debacle, if you will. 
um, especially with the trade that happened. Marlins going into this week are 10 and 26 on the year. And look, it's it's been it's been kind of a a weird offseason beginning of the season for the fish. There's just no doubt about it. A couple of weeks ago, the general manager, Peter Bendix, who was hired this past offseason to run the baseball offside for the Marlins, was asked when the team was 6-24 and about the ball club. And Peter's quote was, it was too early to have an evaluation on the season. This was after a 6-24 and season. I don't know about you. You start 6-24, and I have a pretty damn good idea what my evaluation is going to be. It's not too early. It's, uh, it's, it's on time. Uh, that was on April 30th that he stated that. Fast forward to May 3rd, which was Friday. This team was starting a series against the Oakland Athletics, and Bendix trades Luis Arias, a two-time batting champion, to the San Diego Padres for four minor leaguers, plus, plus paying all of Arias' salary minus the major league minimum to the Padres. I, I, I don't understand it. Friday night, by the way, the Marlins got pounded by the A's 20-3 to after that trade. And Arias debuted on Saturday for the Padres, and all he did was go 4-4 four for four for the Pods. Padres, by the way, got better with Arias in that lineup. I think that just that's, that's going to be a fun team to watch as far as the Padres, if they can get it going from the pitching side. So back to the Marlins. Uh, keep in mind, this is a team that went to the playoffs last year and whose manager was the National League Manager of the Year, Skip Schumacher. So here's the timeline so far uh, for this regime, okay? Uh, They somehow managed to get to the playoffs through a stacked National League East last year. They decide to hire Peter Bendix to oversee baseball ops, which forced Kim Ng, the previous GM, to leave the organization. They spend no money in the offseason to build on what was just done in 2023 to kind of build on that momentum. They tell the reigning National League Manager of the Year that we're voiding the option year in year 2025, uh, in year 2025, thus making him a free agent after this year. And then they come out of the gates, completely poo-poo the bed. They trade their best player. And now we'll be left to wonder why nobody's going to any games uh, in Miami at Lone Depot Park. It's, uh, It's just crazy to think how things have played out. And now, look, I, I get it that you want to put your stamp on things, but this is an organization that's kind of going through a retool, rebuild again. It's the second time in this ownership group's history already. And I don't, I don't think there's an appetite for that in South Florida. I mean, you were barely hanging by a thread to begin with, with the fan base in South Florida. And now you pull this garbage? Good luck going forward. Um, I just don't. I just don't see how it's possible that you can somehow figure out, you know, some sort of magic formula to consistently get the fan base to buy in and be able to kind of fill that ballpark outside of having the Cubs come in or the the Yankees come in 
the Phillies come in where people flock down to South Florida, Phillies fans, Yankees fans, Cubs fans to flock down there to, to fill the ballpark. I'm talking about with Marlins fans. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. And that is, that's going to be, um, I, it'll be an interesting thing to watch uh, over the year uh, and next couple of years as to uh, really, truly the apathy that, that, that has already set in in South Florida amongst, uh, amongst Marlins fans. All right, lastly on the uh, Big Fly Baseball Show, I told you it's quick and sweet. Usually it's about 30 minutes or thereabouts. If not, you know, sometimes I go into diatribes, and this might be a diatribe for me. And it's a little bit closer to home because it has to do with the Angels and it has to do um, with Mike Trout. Uh, whom I I love as a human being. I love his family. Uh, Trouty's always been good to me. Uh, great guy. Busts his tail. I think he's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but, you know, last week, uh, news came out that there was uh, a tear in his meniscus, left, left knee, and that he would have to have surgery and be out for a considerable amount of time. Not It's not a season-ending, at least as of right now, it's not a season-ending injury. Um, but the expectation is he's going to miss some time, um, which, which obviously is, is not good for Mike. It's not good for the angels, especially with the struggles they've already had to start the year with Rendon out and so on and so forth. It just continues to mount for the angels. What my beef is, um, is going back to spring training when during the first full squad workouts in February, uh, trout was interviewed. Okay. And he emphatically stated then that he did not want to be traded. And I'm going to quote what he said back in February, quote, I think the biggest thing right now is the easy way out would be asking for a trade. There might be a time, maybe I haven't really thought about this. When I signed that contract, I'm loyal and want to win a championship here. I think the overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is a bigger satisfaction than bailing and taking the easy way out, close quote. That was Mike Trout in February when he talked to the media, and there was an article, multiple articles about that uh, in February. Trout, he starts the season, he goes off, he's doing all right. Batting average, not so much, but he's leading the major leagues in home runs with 10 when the news came out that uh, he felt a little twinge uh, during a game. Uh, he had some swelling, uh, overnight, woke up the next morning and said, Hey, I think I need to get this checked out. And it turns out he's got a, an issue with the meniscus in his, uh, left knee, uh, procedure was performed last Friday. Like I said, it's not supposed to be season ending. Uh, but it's, it is the fourth consecutive year that Trouty will miss some time to deal with a significant injury. Look, he's 32 years of age. Uh, the body tends to break down. He's a guy that has always played at 100%, meaning max effort, uh, never gives up, never gives in. Uh, and bodies tend to break down uh, at, at different stages. Uh, and he's built like a brick house. So it's like, it, it's going to happen. It's unfortunate, but it's going to happen. Um, last week after the injury news, another article came out in The Athletic and it was written by Ken Rosenthal. I, I've known Kenny for a long time, uh, worked with him at MLB Network. I enjoy his work. I have no qualms with Kenny whatsoever. I think he's a pro. Uh, but I, I, I never understood, uh, to this point, I have not understood the reason for the article. Maybe it's clickbait. Maybe it's whatever. I don't, I don't care. 
I'm not going to judge. The headline of that article in The Athletic was, Mr. Angel, question mark, Mike Trout's chance of ever escaping the franchise now seems even less likely. That was the headline of the article in The Athletic. Now, I can't, I can't imagine that Kenny uh, was the one that authored that beauty. Uh, but I don't understand the purpose of the headline or the article other than clickbait and to really piss off Angel fans uh, or Mike Trout fans. Uh, the man said not but two months ago that he's not interested in asking for a trade. He used the word loyal a number of times, and yet it doesn't seem to be good enough for the so-called national media to accept. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I'm at that point where I'm not, I'm not sure I understand the motivation to constantly push the narrative of getting any player, any player to a playoff contender or city. Who cares? I mean, I've been around this game my entire life. I've never once yearned for a particular player to be playing elsewhere just so I can watch him in the playoffs or so that he can experience the playoffs. Not once, not one time. I simply just don't care about it that much. I, I, I don't. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't mean anything to me. If it has nothing to do with my team, why should I care? That's how I've always looked at it. It certainly isn't to grow the game because that's hilarious. You can't, I mean, wishing a player goes to a different team so you could see them in playoff isn't about growing the game. That's, they, they throw that garbage out all the time. MLB is the most regionalized sport of the big four. There's just no doubt about it. If you're that jacked up about seeing a particular superstar, then hop on a regional broadcast for that team and soak it all in. That is, of course, if you're not subject to MLB's archaic blackout rules and or one of your regional sports networks isn't in bankruptcy court. Moreover, the incessant focus on star players switching teams overlooks the beauty of team loyalty, which is what Trout has talked about. Just think about those narratives that unfold with each club and each player when you talk about loyalty, the history and culture. I, I, why can't we just appreciate the game for what it is? Rather than constantly, you know, wanting these players to go elsewhere. I just don't get it. And look, in an era that is often going to prioritize immediate success and glamour and enduring legacies, a player's preference for loyalty should never be dismissed as him being soft or indicative of fear of failure. He doesn't want to go here. That it should loyalty should be revered, man. Not ridiculed. So I don't understand why we continue to have to deal with these type of narratives, if you will that constantly get pushed, especially when it comes to Mike Trout. The guy throughout his career has continuously said the exact same thing. Then why continue to, to hammer home the point? I'm not sure what the reasoning is behind it.
And it just is mind boggling to me that we continue to have to read stuff like this, that, uh, especially when the player has already said that he's not going to, he's not going to ask for a trade. He's not going to go anywhere. He has no desire to, at least not now. And to say that because of an injury that it'll be even that much more difficult to trade him on well, no shit. Really? You got a guy that doesn't want to be traded plus an injury. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So what's the problem with him just staying there, see if they can win something in Southern California? I'm not saying they're going to. It's going to be difficult for the Angels, especially where they're at right now. But he's happy where he's at. Celebrate that. There's nothing wrong with it. The guy hasn't mailed in anything. And he won't mail anything, whether it's in Southern California or with any other team. I say continue to celebrate those moments as opposed to just continuing to bash the guy for not wanting to trade or wanting to play in Philadelphia or play in New York or wherever the case may be. It's getting so old, and I can't believe we continue to see this garbage constantly uh, really just spewed out, um, for I guess, just for clicks. I guess at the end of the day, that's what it all boils down to. So there's my rant. There's my diatribe. And that's the end of our Big Fly Baseball show, the fourth episode uh, of the uh, 2024 season. Uh, I hope I didn't dr- uh, continue to talk. And uh, I, there's certain things that I get passionate about. And I apologize for that. But I, I just, like I said, it's mind boggling to me. And I, I guess I'll never figure it out. I'm trying to stay as PG as possible. Uh, through all of it, it's hard for me sometimes having grown up in a clubhouse uh, because just of my nature of just speaking my uh, my truth. Uh, but it is uh, it's getting old. It really is. And I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like I said before, you can uh, listen to our podcast or my podcast on any of the platforms uh, currently, whether it's Apple, uh, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, uh, or watch on the YouTube channel at Big Fly Baseball Show. I'd love to know what uh, you think. Feel free to subscribe uh, and comment on the show and uh, let you know when that next uh, live game cast that I'll be doing, uh, that should be coming up maybe this week. All right. Thanks for watching. I'm Victor Rojas, and I hope everyone has a uh, wonderful week. Take care.